welcome to the Truth About Things That Suck podcast. I'm your host, Mindy Henderson, living life from a wheelchair, surviving two devastating car crashes, lost jobs, and a host of other challenges. I've learned to navigate the curveballs life throws at us. And now, as a speaker, author, and coach, my mission is to bring positivity to the world, to teach others how to navigate adversity well, to stop making excuses, and to see all that they are truly capable of. Because the truth about things that suck is that, well, they suck. They won't be fun, but it's possible to have two truths that coexist at the same time. And the second truth is that there's a lot we can learn, a lot we can do, and a lot of gifts that the sucky things bring to our lives and that empower us to make the world a better place. This podcast is a tool I've created to help us uncover those sucky but surprisingly beautiful circumstances. Let's see what's on tap for today. Have you ever met someone and thought to yourself, man, I want to be them when I grow up? Well, she doesn't know it yet because I've been trying to play it ultra cool, but that's exactly what I thought when I met today's guest, LB Thomas. LB, or Lisa Beth, as I think she told me maybe two people on the planet call her, is poised and sophisticated and accomplished with over 30 years of experience creating successful advertising and public relations campaigns. And as an award-winning producer, LB continues to be regarded as one of the most respected women in her field. LB's clients include, but are definitely not limited to Amy's Ice Cream, Capital Chevrolet, Chuck Nash, uh, let's see, Hospital at at Westlake Medical Center, um, Hewlett Family of Dealerships, ABC, Bravo, HGTV, Disney, HBO, just to name a few of the smaller ones. LB was also the founding president of Texas Women in Business, which now has chapters in Austin, Houston, and Lubbock. And she's currently serving as Austin's president in celebration of their 10th year. LB, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And it's funny that, and thank you for that introduction. That was, if I could just take that snippet on rainy, Ah. dreary days, keep that and cheer up. Well, it was all the truth, which makes it even better. That was amazingly sweet. And I I feel the same about you. And the more I, I hear about you and learn about you and I'm inspired by you. So I think we've got a mutual admiration thing going on here. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You know, I truly believe that in life, the most successful people take the challenges that they've been through and turn it into some of their biggest advantages. And they learn how to take away learnings from their experiences that not only make them better, but if they're really remarkable, they'll go on to use their own experiences to make the world a better place. And you are definitely one of those people. Thank you. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, there was quite a challenge in there. So absolutely, absolutely. So clearly, your accomplishments are infinite. And all of that, of course, plays a role in your story. But as we know, um, this podcast is really all about comeback stories, which I personally love. And you've got a doozy. So would you like to do us the honor of just sharing your your story, your journey through adversity and kind of the rebuilding of your life? Yeah, I would. Um, we'll start with it, a big question. <laughs> yeah, it, well, and it the, the first couple well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just start and tell you because what I was going, well, what I was going to say was that it's interesting. Is that it's still hard to talk about, but it does get easier with time. And as that healing and going, the the answers to the whys come come up, and you go, oh, that's why. Okay, so hmm. let me let me quickly um, give you give you my story. So I was um, married to my business partner, and. We had an ad agency in Austin that we had for 15, 14, 15 years. It was seven figures doing, you know, close to 2 million in revenue. Um, and like you said, the Amy's ice creams and DR Horton homes and some just amazing, amazing clients. 
uh, here in Austin. And we, we did also international and national. So we were doing very, very well. And I, I knew really pretty early on that I should not be in business with him or let mm. alone be married. I, I knew that early on. And a thing I thought about today was I was so afraid to, to bring it up, to, to divorce, to what was that going to do to the business? What was going to happen to the clients? What was going to happen to the employees? You know, I stayed mm. in that what if, what if, what if. And mm-hmm. so I stayed out of that. And things just got from bad to worse. So what happened is I finally, it's really funny. I literally one day went, okay, so if I, if I leave or if we break up and we do whatever with the business, I could be a waitress. I, I'll survive. I'll get through this, whatever. <laughs> that was literally what I was saying to myself. In other words, just make it happen. So I left them um, and in the the process of the divorce, found out that um, three years of our personal taxes had not been filed, Ugh. and um, the the total was one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. And um, you know, I, as I've mentioned to you in the past, I just didn't happen to have one hundred eighteen thousand dollars <laughs> laying around. Well, that's true. Yeah, and you know, you hear the commercials for all these people that will help you. Well, if you've got a company that's bringing in revenue, that that does not work. So, what happened is that he pleaded hardship, which means the IRS came after me, and the mm. IRS came after the business and me personally because the business had revenue. So. I, in, in a three month period, Mindy, I, I ended up having to dissolve my business. And the, the good news is I didn't have to file bankruptcy, which was huge because in Texas you can dissolve your business. But I, I ended up having to dissolve my business because I could not rob Peter to pay Paul anymore. I, yeah. I just couldn't do it. I just, it was like a, a, a house of cards. It just kept money, just kept coming out, out, out to pay the IRS. And then every month thinking I'm getting ahead, I'm behind still because interest and penalties. It just got to the point I couldn't do it. And, and people would say, well, let's just go get new business. I had no self-esteem. My, mm. self, my self-worth was rocked. My confidence was rocked. I had nothing. I was just holding on. So I ended up having to close the business. Um, I had to sell my house and this is all in a three month period due to the divorce and pay off the IRS, the rest. And, um, and my mom died. That was my, my three month period. And I suddenly I'm out sure of nowhere. She had Alzheimer's. So oh, oh. we, we literally, I, I, we, my brothers and sister and I prayed every day that she would pass out of, you know, please God, you know, just bring her home. Yeah. You know, we, we knew that. But um, they they said she probably had another six months a year the way she was going, and she just she decided I guess to to leave. But um, I and the the I spoke on Saturday at um, Think and Grow Rich for Women with Sharon Lecter and Copeland, and you know uh, this great platform here. Mm-hmm. All the while knowing I was losing everything that I'd lost everything. And I had to stand up there and smile and be fine. And then the next day my mom died. I was like, Oh my gosh, it was, so it was horrible. Um, and the, I, I was homeless. The, my kids were grown in college and, and married and things. So I didn't have to worry about that. And and when I say homeless, I wasn't down downtown Austin, Mm -hmm. but I was sleeping on couches. I was sleeping in extra bedrooms. I, I was, I, I facilitate uh, at discovery every month. And I remember asking, and we all share a room, the facilitators and TAs, we all share a room to save money for the nonprofit. And I wanted my own room because I was crying so much. I was, uh-huh. I couldn't sleep. There was, I couldn't sleep. I'd cry all night. Um, and they said, well, that's no problem. We'll put you in your own room, but to be fair, it'll be $106 for one night, you know, because otherwise you'd be uh-huh. doubling. And I started crying and I said, I don't have $106. Oh. And they were like, okay, don't worry, you know, because I'm sobbing. And I didn't oh, know if I goodness. had, yeah, I was, I was finding coins to put gas in my car. Um, yeah, it was, it was nothing ever, ever I expected to happen in my world, ever. So humbling. So humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and devastating. It really was to go from that. And, you know, I was always on stages. I was, yeah, I was the founding president of Texas Women in Business. Oh, I lost it. (laughs) I lost mine. (laughs) So, um, so it went from minus money and business and success. Yeah, it was. Wow. And, and how long a time period? I mean, how long were you in this place? I started, I, I, I started knowing I wanted to leave him and well, really early on, but, but 2012 is when I filed for divorce. It took three and a half years to get the divorce. Oh my gosh. Because of the mess. And I, April, May of 2015, May, June, July, August, I'm sorry. So it was four months. I dissolved my business in May and my mom died in July and I closed on my house in August. Wow. Yeah. So it was just bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, clearly um, you, you made it out of that place and started to, started to rebuild. What did, what did that look like? And, you know, at what point were you equipped to, to start to take some steps forward? And, and, you know, was there a, um, kind of a turning point or how did that all come to be? It took, it's 2012. <laughs> it took, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry, it's 2020 right now. It's 2020. Not, uh, I was going back to when I left. It, it's 2020. It took several years and, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm just going to be completely honest in all this. It took, mm-hmm. It took a couple of years because, again, my self-worth and self-esteem was so rocked by all of this. Um, but also it was rocked by why didn't I stand up for myself more? Why didn't I leave him when I knew I first should have left? What, you know, what was going on there that kept me um, the fear, the fear of, um, you know, what would happen to the business, the fear of what would happen to, you know, dividing up the kids because we had our kids were really good friends. so. Um, it took a long time. Um, I think the first thing that this just came to me is that when I realized my identity was not my business, I, Hmm. yeah, I did. It just, that just came to me that my friends, my tribe, uh, which I, I, didn't tell them what was going on. They knew something was wrong and they knew something was up. They knew I was divorcing. They knew they didn't know how bad. Um, just the other day, Copeland, Lisa Copeland yelled at me again. You never told us, you know, how bad, you know? And I was like, I know, I know, but it's amazing how much pride we have. And I thought my value to, to people was my business and my success and Mm. my, who I was that way. And then when I found out that my friends believed in me and loved me anyway, that was huge for me. That Sherry Matthews, I don't know if you know, you know Sherry Matthews. I do, um, yes. Yeah, Healing Comfort, Jan Goss Gibson, Lisa Copeland, Melinda Garvey, you know, um, and I, I'm sure I'm forgetting Wendy Howell. I mean, there's some amazing people that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Interesting. And that's what got me Help get me through it. Um, so yeah. they all knew. Did did they all know the 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 depths of of how bad it was? No, even them I didn't okay. tell. Um, they now know, and I finally I finally came clean one day on how bad, and they were like, "Okay, we're gonna go kill him." Um, mm. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but they knew I'd. But they knew the business was closed. They knew I was, you know, living on couches because I was at Jan's for a little bit. You know, I was at different people's houses. So they knew all that. They didn't know the, how, how much money had been lost. Um, Uh You know, and I, and I think that this is so interesting because I've spoken to so many women who keep their, their stories 
private. You know, they, they, you know, there's, there's shame. There's all of these emotions and things that we attach to these circumstances in our lives. And one of the, the common themes that I've seen over and over again is that, um, people wish they would have shared their stories sooner mm-hmm. and let some people in on what they were truly dealing with and, and going through. And that once they did, it wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. Did you have a similar kind of awakening to that? I did. And you're breaking up or am I breaking up? I hear, I hear oh. it. It's scratching Uh-oh. a little bit. Okay. Let me get a little closer to the mic. There you go. It just did it just then. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I, I think the, the, the biggest lesson I got out of it was the, the minute, the minute I finally made the decision just to step into the fire, just go for it. I, mean, mm-hmm. I tried to hide. I joked about going to Mexico, selling tacos on the beach. <laughs> you know, I was, I was trying to think of, I, I did not want to, make those phone calls. I, my clients, I personally called, um, that it was, it was more than an email, you know, to tell them what was going on. The loveliness of it, every single one of the, my clients said, okay, so when we have our next campaign or thing we need to do, we just need to figure out how to make that work. Cause I cannot, I couldn't, I can't buy media in Austin right now because I still owe the stations money because I had to close the business. Uh-huh. So they're like, okay, so how are we going to make this work? It wasn't then, well, we're never going to speak to you again. It was like, okay, well, let's figure out how we're going to make this work from when oh, moving forward. I love um, that. But I didn't know that. I was so afraid to make the phone call. I waited. Like, that's what you're saying when people finally tell their story. The other is I had to write and I did email every one of my station reps and my vendors. And we, we've worked in this market for, you know, 15 years. So we have a long respected list of reps and people. And only one was mean. Only one was cruel. And one of my clients actually defended me and he was like, it's not like she took the money and left <laughs> the country. She's right. homeless. You know? right. She's lost everything. And there was only one that was not nice about it. Everybody else was, you know, what can we do? How can we help you? you offered to hire me. They like, do you need a job? You know, it was. Wow. But making, writing that and coming face to face with it. Uh, again, the freedom of finally mm-hmm. saying it. Yeah, was amazing. And that that gives you your power back when you face when you face it. So true. So what would your advice be, you know, to somebody who's who's listening to this, and they're, they're, you know, living out some horrible circumstances in private, and they're afraid potentially of of what people's reactions are going to be, whether it's, you know, friends or family or, um, or, you know, professional connections, relationships. Um, how would you recommend someone approach that? And I know it's, it's hard to give someone advice in that situation, but you know, what, what would you tell them to help them sort through it in their mind and maybe work through the fear? Um, if they're not a jerk and they've, they've been nice to people their lives. And, uh, and why I say that is that I think they would be surprised at how forgiving and gr- people have such compassion and grace. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, if they've been, you know, a real jerk and screwing people, well, forget it. You know, <laughs> they'll be like, yeah, you're down, you know, but right. I, would, I would bet people that listen to you are, you know, um, totally the, the, the good, the good, the good person. But I, I am amazed that the compassion and grace people have. And I believe that Mindy, because as you and I talked uh, last week or two, that everybody goes through something. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through something, whether it's as, I, hopefully it's not as devastating as mine, but there's setbacks through divorce and lost, lost jobs or promotions we don't get or family illnesses that people have a, a, a pretty big heart. So my first, my first advice would be um, step into the fire. Just, mm-hmm. you know, the, again, the, the freedom of it, of just coming clean takes that weight because the, you spend, I spent my nights, I spent my days, I spent driving 
what if, what if, what would happen and what's going to happen? So I just was replaying the fear over and the, the, all of that over and over and over again, which wasn't doing any good because I wasn't getting any traction, but I mm-hmm. stayed in that spot. You know what I mean? So I just relived that story over and over again. And once I told the story, once I got it, then I was like, oh, okay, <sighs> I, I, I'm on the other side of it, you know, and Isn't now- it- and you were stuck living a story that hadn't even happened yet. Absolutely. It was, Absolutely. It was yeah. what I was making up in my mind. Exactly. All the what ifs. And yeah. I literally was like, okay, I could go live in Florida with my sister. I could go back to Michigan. <laughs> but I had it all. What, what, what? But once I made that step and I don't like conflict and I'm an avoider and I would have never said that 10 years ago. I'd been like, no, I'll charge forward. No, I avoided every chance I get because I didn't want to tell it. But again, once you do, the freedom in that comes off. And then you can focus on the action steps and the now what. And people then know how to help you. If they don't know what's going on, they don't know how they can help. Absolutely. And that's a question that I wanted to ask you because – you know, so often we see our loved ones go through things that are really, really difficult and we don't know what to do. What was, what was the, the most helpful thing that someone did for you once they learned what you were going through? And if I can add a a secondary question, what, what do you wish people would have done for you? Well, let me answer that one. That, because what I wanted, I wanted somebody to drop money in my lap. Mm-hmm. I wanted a quarter million dollars to pay off all this. I wanted, <laughs> even my David said, I'll just write you a check for $50,000. That's mm-hmm. what I want. But, so I'm not going to answer a question, but I am. I'm, I'll get to it. But the thing of it is, if that would have happened, I'd still be in that business. I'd still be tied to it. I'd still be having, you know what I mean? What needed to happen was that chapter of my life to end. At the time, I didn't know it. So two things. One is that just, I just needed to change that chapter so I could learn my lessons to to go on to what I need, what I'm doing now. The other is if whatever business would have come through and these things that I'm working on now would have come through the business my ex still would have the opportunity to come and say, you know, I was a part of that at the beginning. And Um, so I didn't realize even the house, everything had to be gone. But at the time I didn't know it. Right. Um, And that's interesting because I want to, I just want to take a second and boil that down to the thing that you most wanted in that scenario was the thing that probably would have been the worst for you would have been the worst for me because, and I say that to David, if he would have, he, he, if I would have asked him for a quarter million dollars to help me, he, he probably would have done it. And, um, I, I would be miserable. Like I said, I, I'd still be an uphill battle, you know, yeah. whatever. So yeah, it was. Well, and, and what's coming to mind for me is that, what you wanted was for someone to save you. And I'm sure that that's what all uh, of us want mm-hmm. so often when things go wrong. And I think for, I mean, I mean, this is a fantastic example, obviously, but I think for a myriad of reasons, um, having someone swoop in and save us, number one, it's not likely to happen. And number two, it's probably not going to be the thing that's going to serve us the best. No, I had to learn to save myself because I I was relying on on my ex to take care of taxes, to take care of the business, to take care of that. You know, I always had somebody that took care of it, and it was my turn to take care of it. it. Was my turn to save myself. Yeah, and there was a time I, I went with Melinda Garvey down to her uh, her place in Galveston, and. I got up, we got up really early and I said, I'm going to get up really early and go for a walk on the beach and I'm going to go walk by myself for a little bit. So she didn't think I was just like, off. I was like, I just need to go walk. I need to pray. I need to cry. I need to Hmm. whatever. So I'm walking on the beach and I'm praying to God, God, just let me find an engagement ring that's been washed up, uh, some jewelry. Um, Let me find, you know, there's got to be gems. There's got to be a treasure here somewhere, you know, that I could pick up and take and then go, oh my God, I've got the money. I was like, I said, uh, these are my exact words, Mindy. I said, Lord, 
let me find the treasure on the beach. And as clear as day, I heard, oh, Lisa Beth, you are the treasure on the beach. Oh, that gave me chills. So he's the third one that calls me Lisa Beth, or he's probably the first one that calls okay. me Lisa Beth. <laughs> the other two. And I stopped dead in my tracks because it wasn't me saying that because I was mm-hmm. in the beat up mode and I'd looked around and I was like, oh, oh, I, I'm the treasure. You know, all, all of it is in me. I can make this work. I can make this happen. Wow. Yeah. Now, before that, let me, let me be real. I I do have faith in God. Let me tell you that I do have faith in God, but I was not during all this laying in my bed. Literally, I had had my fist up in the air going, why, excuse me, but going, damn it, damn you. Why? Mm -hmm. I was so mad. And I kept, I kept thinking to myself, why am I not like Job in our Sunday school Bible store? Why am I not like that? Why can't I be like, it'll all be well. I have faith in God. I wasn't. <laughs> I was so pissed off. And then I'd never read Job, the, the, the story of Job. I've read the Bible, Sunday school version of Job. Uh-huh. I've never actually read the Bible story of Job. And I was like, oh, he was not always happy with his situation. Right. He was angry. And so then mm-hmm. it gave me some comfort that, you know, all right, God, God knows I'm going through this. God knows I'm a human being and I'm going to be mad, but he, it's part of my, my processing of this. So that's I, I, so important because, you know, I, I think so often, and it, it kind of goes back to people just not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do. And, and they tell you, you know, it's, it's okay. It'll be okay. And, and all of that. And I think sometimes you just need to hear that it's not okay or it, that it's okay to not be okay. And it's healthy to feel and process through that anger and that frustration and all of those emotions. And that's a really good point because so, the, so your question of, you know, what, what people did one of my favorite things that happened is that not not any not one person I can recall in my in my circle said, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You'll get through to you know, giddy up, mm. you'll get up. I never got that. And I was really grateful because that is putting on a band-aid and it, it it wasn't helping. What I did, and this is advice, you know what? Here's a piece of advice that I, I'm thinking of. I mourned, I grieved, I cried. I lost my home where my kids played and we had, you know, every Sunday neighbors over and we had pool parties and margaritas. And I mean, I, I, my daughter to this day says, I wish we could go back and buy that house. Um, I lost my business. I lost all of that, but I didn't just stuff it down and go, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I cried. I mourned. I grieved. And I really, I'm going off what you said. It was really important to do that because it was so healthy. Death. Absolutely. And my mom. Let me add in my mom. And so then I had my mom. And so that was truly mm-hmm. death. So I had three deaths um, in a four-month period. And so I gave myself the the grace to cry, the grace to be mad. The, you know, it's like it's okay. You'll get through it. And on, you know, but go ahead. Cry. So and good. Yeah, it really, I do think, made a difference because I think it would have shown up in other ways. I'm not an angry person. I'm not a, um, I'm usually very, very optimistic. But I think when you shove that kind of grief down, it, it comes out in different ways. Maybe it's snapping at people, maybe because it's, you've got that frustration inside, or maybe, you know, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm grateful that I, I didn't shove it. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything looking back? Um, that that we haven't already touched on that you that you would have done differently in all of this, I would have done it all sooner. And you, mm. you said that earlier. I would have, I would have jumped on it right away. I, I was trying so hard to hold on to something that was supposed I was supposed to let go of. If I would have let go sooner, it may not have been so bad. Um, but the other thing is going back into the marriage. I. I wish I would have stood up for myself more. I wish I would have questioned things more um, Mm -hmm. and, and said, no, we're not doing it that way. Or, um, and, and it's, I'm kind of talking in a circle and I apologize because I don't want to go into too much. No, you're not at all. Because we're not talking about that, but 
I think it's finding your voice. Um, my generation, I just turned 61, and my generation, we, we've got our feet in, in two different eras. We've, we've got our feet into the, the one generation of our moms. We're the last of the moms of the 50s that, you know, make your man happy. You know, your place is to be quiet and take care of, and your kids should be quiet. And, and you know, the 50s mom, dad is everything. So that's what we grew up with. But then we stepped into woman, hear, hear me roar. And be your own woman and do your own thing. So, it was, right. yeah, it's very conflicting of, well, I want to do this and this is what society's saying and this is what I feel, but, oh, but I was raised this way. How so, interesting. Yeah, it is. It, and it's, again, it's the last, I, the, I think we're, I'm the last of the generation. I'm the end of the baby boomers, but um, it's real conflicting. So I'm hoping um, these the next generation of women will be like, nope. <laughs> this is what I want. <laughs> how how have you been able to? Um, I, I've never heard anyone describe it that way, and it's so interesting to me. I mean, how have you been able to um, resolve that in your in your mind? How how do you make those two very different messages sort of compromise? Yeah, I a couple different ways. One. I remind myself I'm not my mom. Mm. You know, my my mom was an amazing, wonderful woman, but I'm not her. And when I realized when I was living her patterns and her, you know, all her fears and anxieties and whatever, because that's what I saw growing up, you know, we repeat what we see. I'm like, that's, those aren't mine. Those are hers. So mm-hmm. once I started dividing myself, that made a big difference. The other thing was getting down to, my fears when, when I kept asking why, why is this happening to me? Why? Uh, a, f- a friend of mine, uh, Virginia Goshevska, said, You know, we create our own reality. And I was like, Oh, no, I did not create this. No way. And then when I started thinking about it, I went, Yeah, I kind of did. Because we get what we think about, you know, we, we, we bring it in. And so I'm looking at why did I marry that man? you know, why, you know, what was it about me that did that? And, and there's just all these different circumstances that started coming clearer and clearer of creating that reality. And so now what I do is I'm real clear on what I want and what I think about and not what somebody else wants, but what I want, what is best for me. And and I do that with grace and, and love, but it's made a huge difference. And, and when I realized how fear, my fears of not being good enough or not being worthy, those were my two big ones. Those are my two big core fears. Um, I, was, I was amazed at how much the, those were sabotaging me. And I didn't even know they were happening. We don't even know we have these core fears that are sabotaging us, but it made so much sense. I'm not good enough. So why would I speak up? Why your opinion is more important than mine. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to, whatever you say, because you know better is what was going on in my head. And when I realized I am absolutely good enough, of course I am. Um, that made all the difference in the world. Wow. And and it's such a common um, narrative that women tell ourselves, you know, it's it, it, it breaks my heart to hear what a widespread almost like pandemic it is that, you know, just this mindset and this way of thinking that women today have. So um, let me ask you this, um, you know, you, 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 you talked a little bit about your why and and some purpose and and some of the lessons that you you learned and how you you were able to kind of change your mindset as a result of all of this but um you know so many people ask why me in the face of of adversity has there has have you been able to identify any other purpose or reason why this particular thing showed up in your life um, and and knocked you on your butt, so to speak? 
Um, yeah, I, I used to, when, when I was in my late twenties, early thirties, I was doing a lot of speaking on customer service and uh, listening and, and I, I loved being a speaker and, and we would, people would bring up different situations and relationships. And at the time I did, I did a really good job, but there was times that I felt like a fraud because I'm like, I haven't had those experiences. I don't know. I don't understand, you know? Um, then I had a couple of kids and traveling. I wasn't traveling. I ended up going to work for, with KVU 24 and then had different opportunities from there. Why this had to happen to me, I believe, and I look back and I, I look at my life as we all should as connect the dots. And I'm looking at all these dots that have connected with the different careers I've had in marketing and advertising and speaking and uh, volunteering and all these different things make total sense of where I am today because now I have credibility. Now I can share my story and know how I got to the other side and I can help people. My why is that all had to end and use the gifts I've been given to make an impact and make a Mm. difference. And if I can help one person, one person, Mm-hmm. I help, I help a million, but if I help, you know, uh, I don't even know why I'm saying that. I don't want to help one person. I want to help millions of people. <laughs> You're going to help a lot more than one. <laughs> I'm going to help a lot more than one because you just said it. We have a pandemic of women who don't feel worthy. They don't feel they, they don't realize, you know, when I was, I was talking to Copeland the other day and I was saying, it's interesting because we go to these conferences and we come back and we're all jazzed up. And yes, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the number one salesperson. I'm <laughs> going to do it. I'm going to crush it. I got it. And you get back because you're just fired up. But the minute you go to pick up that phone or you send that email and something sabotages you, hold you back because you're like, oh, what if they don't like me? What if I say something? What if they reject me? What if? And it goes back to that, that self-worth or those core fears. You're not going to pick up that phone. You're not going to make that call. You're not going to do it. And then you go, see, I just spent $3,000 at that conference and yeah, nothing happened. Got it. So it's getting down and figuring out those core fears that hold us back. And once you know what those are, Mindy, it is, it is amazing. It is amazing. Absolutely. It's yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the conferences and things are are wonderful and they're great motivators and, um, and, you know, they're educational and, and all of that, but it's a moment in time. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned in my journey is that, um, you know, we're, we're a lifelong project and particularly something like the, the kind of toxic, thoughts and mindsets that that women carry around today. Um, just like you said, there's a lot of of digging and kind of ongoing reinforcement that needs to happen over the course of our lives. Um, you know, the, the first thing I think that we need to realize is how flawed that thinking is. And if you're listening and you haven't realized that that thinking is flawed, let me be the first to tell you that it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that it's something that we all need to really dig into and, and understand and make it a practice every single day to find evidence to combat the way that we think about ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and I, I refer to it as um, I, I look at situations and I go, am I looking at this through the cracked lens, cracked lenses from my past? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and whenever I ask that question, and I'm, I'll bring up David again, you know, I, I came from, I had huge trust issues. Um, and so when I started seeing David, we started dating. Um, I would be, I would be very distrusting, very skeptical, very, but then I'd be like, but don't go, you know, but I'd be like, push, 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 you know, I don't trust, I don't trust, but you know, but stay. And it was just so, I I, I don't even know why I stay because it was like a yo-yo. And then one day we were talking and I was questioning him on something. And all of a sudden I stopped dead and went dead in my tracks and went, oh my God, this is so unfair to you. 
but I'm looking at you through my crack lenses of things that happened from my past and mm-hmm. you, you've had, you had nothing to do with that. How unfair of it for me to put this on you. And right then and there, I went, I have a choice. I can either keep looking through these crack lenses and, and doing what I'm doing and lose the kindest, most supportive, wonderful man, human being I've ever known mm-hmm. or go, okay, I need to readjust these. I need to get these lenses fixed because this, this is not working. And, if, and I can see how that would be a theme throughout a life. Of Absolutely. I was like, I so have glad to you brought this. this up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to fix this. This is mine. So I drew a mental line in the sand. And so now if we get an argument now, which is re- really very rare, but if something happens, I immediately ask myself, is that, is this something that I'm upset about because something that happened from my past that's messing with me or am I just pissed at him? You know, and then I go, um, yeah. and so he laughs and he says, let's just always think that it's you. We'll just start there. You know, <laughs> <It's your> uh-huh. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that because you're right. So often, you know, you, you, it's it, the cycle becomes, you know, you, you relive the same story over and over again in every relation, relationship you have. And it's because you're applying what you've been through in yeah. one relationship and expecting it in the the next one. I think that it's brilliant that you recognize that. And I love the analogy of the cracked lens. What kinds of strategies do you um, do you recommend for women who may be finding themselves in this very space right now where they need to break the cycle of mistrust and and misplaced blame and all of those things. I'm going to I'm going to say it's just that it's it is it is looking at the situation and saying okay did this person have anything to do with that? Is this mm-hmm. is it is this everything is this something from my past that is dictating this? And I would just do a quick examination because what happens it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to leave me. You're going to hurt me. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And, and you, we keep pushing and pushing from our hurts, from our past. Guess what? They're going to leave you because yep. <laughs> they don't want to yep. be around. That. And then you go, see, mm. every relationship this happens to me. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's literally stopping in your tracks and saying, wait a minute, what is my responsibility in this? And, and how, what from my past is dictating my behavior? Mm-hmm. So and good. It is. It it is amazingly freeing because then you, when you realize it, and you go, "Oh my goodness, I had no idea I was saying those things or I was thinking those things." No wonder why. Then, then it's 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 like it's in front of you. It's you know you you can't you our, our biggest enemy is ourselves most of the time. Yeah. Bring it out in front of you and see it. You can't do anything about it. You know you can't if you don't know it. But so once you bring it out and say, "Oh, there you are." Okay, insecurity. <laughs> I remember you. I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're. This this is not going to work in this situation. And I am secure. It's it's the first thing is really just saying it. Yeah, admitting it. I love that. I love that. And and the other thing I want to ask you, I mean, you've you've got such wisdom and um and such wonderful things to say and there could be women listening to this who are young women and you know when we're when we're young, when we're in, you know, maybe our 20s, um we don't know maybe what we don't know about relationships yet. You know, and and maybe we haven't been hurt the way that you were hurt yet. Um, not to say everyone will be hurt that way, but, um, I hope not, but, um, you know, what, what would you say to the young women who might be listening to this as a means of not living their lives in fear, but kind of protecting themselves almost and approaching relationships in a wise way? Hmm. And I, I don't, I'm not quite sure of the answer to that. The only, mm-hmm. the, the thing that came up for me is maybe look, um, and, and don't blame her, but may, maybe look at your mom, you know, look oh. at the women in your life. Look at, look at 
your mom and dad's relationship. Look at your mom's and her partners, whether it's a woman or, or male or you know whoever it is, or your your dad's. Look at that relationship and and see, because again, we we pick up what we see, and there might be a pattern that's come from the house that you're not even aware of because it's just part of you. Mm. I like that. I like that. And I, I know I, I put you on the spot, but I, you know, in, in my, in my wisdom, the other thing I would add to that, and I love what you just said is maybe analyze a little bit, you know, pick out the relationships that you see in your life that you, that you admire and maybe look at what it is about those relationships mm-hmm. that, um, that you aspire to potentially, um, yeah. you know, maybe look at the qualities of the individual people and how they treat each other. And is there respect and is there, you know, kindness and, and, you know, those sorts of things I think no. is, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I, I officiate weddings and one of the, mm-hmm. uh, I just officiated a wedding on Saturday and the service we talked about how, but the one thing that, you know, we, we expect when we get in a relationship to have it to be like it is on our wedding day and it's, there's the ebb and flow of life. And the one thing you can count on is the change and the emotions mm-hmm. and the day to day. So it's exactly what you're saying. But it's also knowing that person has feelings and they have their baggage and they yes. have their hurts and they have all that. And so, again, it's giving each other that grace to be in that relationship and know that we all bring something to the party and mm-hmm. you won't be perfect and they will not be perfect. Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about um, what you've got going on now. You know, you're again, you've got you've built this this incredible business. Um, Texas Women in Business is an incredibly philanthropic organization. And I know that you've gone on to do such good in your life. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, about you and, and your world today and what's important to you and what lights you up? Yeah, I do. Thank you. I um, One of the things that I've been doing for seven years is I facilitate every month, well, not this year, um, at uh, Discovery Austin here in Austin. And um, luckily, I, I was involved with them when I was going through all this because they gave me a lot of healing. And it's a, it's a, an amazing organization. But from that, that's where I, I really started sinking my teeth into fear. And that, you know, fear is a thief. Um, mm. It sabotages us, it steals our present moment, it keeps us caught in our what ifs. I mean, my daughter the other day was saying, she was talking about something. And she was like, well, what if this happens? And what if that? And what if she says this? And what if she doesn't? Do and what if, and I finally said, oh my God, what if a meteorite hits the earth tonight? And she's like, <laughs> what? I go, case, you know, come on, what ifs? You know, we can go on and on and on. You know, we, it, it, sometimes it's it just don't worry until you have to, baby. You know, don't worry until yeah, you have thank to. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's... I completely lost my train of thought on that one. Um, Just talking about what your what lights oh, you so up. Out, so what what so what I I came from that is really focused on on the fear and how when I start talking to people and watching the news and seeing what's going on, that fear is this underlying thing. And at first, I thought my fears of not being good enough, not being worthy, um, and there's and there's others, but those are my two were only at home. You know, they were like, okay, that makes sense in my relationships. Got it. And then one day I went, oh, wait, those go with me everywhere. Mm. Oh, I, that, that makes sense at work. Why I would say things or not say things or a, a, a prospect would give an objection and I would go, oh, okay, well, all right. You know, because if I was in that thing of not good enough, you know, well, I'm not worthy of this business. So, okay. So all of a sudden it dawned on me, those follow us everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. So I put together, started working on um, a program, a course, I, it's called Outwitting Fear. And it takes about an hour. It doesn't take long. It's it's part video, it's part uh, guide sheets and PowerPoint, but it takes about an hour. And as people have told me, it's 
amazingly simplistic, this process that I have you go through that gets you down to that core fear. And I've, I, I don't know how many people have done it now, but I've not had one person. I, I, I was at dinner last night and I had two people there go, I had no idea. Now so many things make sense. I downloaded oh. your course. Oh my gosh. And, and now, and now I'm so excited. I've had other people just say, you know, I'm such, I was such a people pleaser. I was always putting myself second. And now I know why I'm, ex- mm. I'm exhausted, but now I don't have to be. So I love that. And that's, and that's my goal is, is helping people get to that core fear so that they find that freedom and they can breathe and they can move forward for themselves. You know, they can, they can live the life they want. And, and here's the cool thing is that we're only born with two fears. We're born with fear of falling and fear of loud noises. Huh. That's it. Everything else we've learned. Interesting. So everything you've learned throughout your life that you're afraid of, you've picked it up through your parents, siblings, teachers, whoever. And the the beauty of it is you can unlearn it. If you've learned it, you can unlearn it. Mm-hmm. But isn't that amazing? That's incredible. And I and I love it because we just got done talking about this, you know, pandemic of women who don't think that they're good enough or they have fears that feed into that concept. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And, you know, the thing that is amazing to me too, is sometimes it's, they weren't, like I said earlier, it's not even your own fears. It could be something that your mom said, it could Absolutely. be something you, and then you're like, okay, I guess that's how, how, how it should be. You know, that's how I'm going to be when I grow up because that's what my mom did. And that, that's the part that's amazing to me. A friend of mine, um, told me that, he came home from school one day and, and had a note from his teacher and um, his mom read it. She slid it in the drawer. When she left the room, he went back and read it and it said, so-and-so um, thinks he's the life of the, you know, the party that he's got all these friends. He's really popular, but nobody likes him. Oh yeah. And went on and now I don't know. I, I didn't know him as an eight year old. So maybe he was a pain in the neck, I, you know, and that aside and the teacher was having a bad day who knows? But uh, 40 years later, th- he carries that around. And wow. when he went through outwitting fear with me, I did it with him. He said, oh, my God, that's why I make sure everybody is happy. I'm a people pleaser. I put myself last. I make sure everybody because I want them to like me. And yeah. I went, oh, mm. and he said, and I said, here it is, but it's only been 40 years. So you got another 40 maybe on you. So you can change that now. You know? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. It absolutely. wasn't even, wasn't even, somebody said something, somebody wrote a note and he saw it and he's been carrying that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't I that amazing? just the, the power that our words have to either help and build each other up or hurt each other and, and truly devastate a person for the rest of their lives. Yeah. It's amazing. What, yeah. um, I, I asked the community for some questions for you leading up to this. And, um, this kind of dovetails from, um, the, the information that you just gave about your outwitting fear program, which by the way, I'm going to get the information from you and make sure and post, um, where people can look for that, um, along with the podcast, but along with that, um, that sort of train of thought, um, Mary Lou asked, what would be your top strategy to help shift your mindset when the old narrative reel, uh, keeps coming back into your head? Um, when the old narrative comes back into my head, I I literally at that point would would realize it and stop it and and realize mm-hmm. and the key word there is old narrative. Yes. You know, it's a it's a a cassette. We don't even have cassettes. It's a CD. It's something that's just <laughs> repeating repeating repeating. The the minute that starts coming in to your head is when you stop and say, "Wait a minute. That hasn't served me in the past. How is it going to serve me now? Is it mm-hmm. going to serve me now? No, it's not." There you it, go. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, absolutely. And I would even take it, 
you know, one step further because we have all of these thoughts all day long. And I do think that it's a bit of a practice just to become aware of your thoughts in the first place. Um, you know, and, and listening to, to what is, is playing on a loop in your head or, you know, what old messages are creeping back in. Absolutely. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, what is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Wow. Um, mm-hmm. I have so many because I have such really wise and wonderful friends. Seriously. Seriously, that's a toughie. Um, First one that comes to your mind. Let your test become your testimonial. Ooh, more chill bumps. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Let your test become your testimonial. So don't be afraid of it. Go, okay, I'm going through this. What am I, what's going to come from this and how am I going to be able to help others with it? Love that. I love that. Last question kind of leave things on a a bit of a lighter note. Jennifer asked, what is your superpower? Ah, um, my superpower is I, I believe that, well, I, can I tell you really quick, my, my, my granddaughter, when she was like four came Mm -hmm. outside, we were outside and, and she said, Buela, Buela, um, you know, every, 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 everybody has three superpowers. And I said, really, what, what are mine? And she said, you get money out of our ears, niceness, <laughs> and you love every stuff. That was for my four year old. I love every stuff. Well, she sounds like a smart cookie. She sounds like a smart. So I would say my superpower is I do really love people and that I I can make people laugh. I can engage people. I can get, I, I love making, I love, I love making people laugh and feel comfortable mm. or um, getting right to the heart of the matter. I was at a dinner party last night and uh, this woman came up and just got right down deep into her soul really fast. And I just stood and, and I think another superpower is listening. Um, I, one of my favorite phrases is you, you talk to people's listening. And so I love listening and really there's a difference between listening and hearing. Yes. And I love hearing and being there. And sometimes it's just being a safe place for people to share their story and know, because I've gone through something that I'm not in the position of judging, but I can, Mm -hmm. I can go, yeah, I get it. It sucks. <laughs> you know, yeah. it does. Hey, that's the name of this podcast, isn't it? Something yeah, it about- is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I got a long list of people that you can interview. <laughs> I, you know what? It, it, you know, and, and that's a really good point. And I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but I think I want to maybe leave it on that point is just that, you know, like we were saying, we, everybody has a story. And so often we have no idea what the person who just crossed our path might be facing. They could be having the worst day of their lives and we would never know it. And so for me, I think kindness is one of the most important things in this world and just being generous with the way that we respond to each other. Mm-hmm. And LB, I just, I'm so grateful to you for your willingness to be open and candid and share your story. Um, one that's, that's so difficult to tell. Um, but one that clearly you have, overcome and like I said at the very beginning become better for it and you're here making the world a better place you're making the the listeners world a better place by sharing and being so relatable so thank you you're welcome and and I hope I I hope it does and it it is amazing when we are when we are transparent and we tell our stories how that opens the doors for other people to go oh god thank you for telling because now I can tell yes. I can get this off my chest and I just want to add really quickly because you touched Please. on something that I I think especially it doesn't matter if it's a pandemic we're in or COVID I think being a light to the world is really important and you know we get what we give. And so if we give what you just said, kindness and love and smile and laughter, we're going to get that back. And so one of the things that I, 
I enjoy doing is when I go to the grocery store, when I go anywhere I go is to be friendly and kind and smile. And how are you? Because we don't know what that other person is going through, like you said. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you might be the one that turns it around for that person that you might be that smile or that, how are you? Or, oh my God, you look beautiful. That dress is beautiful. You may have just changed the trajectory of somebody's life. So why not be that person? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for that. That was beautiful. Well, I, I loved what you said. So I was like, oh yeah, let's add to that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for this. This was really fun. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. You are absolutely a pleasure to talk to you. I could talk to you for six hours. I know. I was like, I just looked at the clock and went, oh, our time's up. Oh my goodness. I know. It went so fast. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode has left you feeling inspired, a little less alone, and ready to take your own challenges to find the gifts within them and to use those gifts to make the world a better place. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you'd leave a rating or a review. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so we can keep bringing you great content and maybe share it with a friend or two. You can also follow me on Instagram at Mindy Henderson Speaks. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, go be the light we all need in this world.